0: Well, good afternoon and welcome to Talk of the Towns. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works and to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns has aired on WERU Community Radio since 1993, dedicated to the proposition that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, and our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio in which those of us in our virtual studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. We are your hosts, Ron Beard, co-hosts Ron Beard and Liz Graves, and we hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. And a reminder that we're recording this show in advance and won't be taking any calls today. Liz, I'll turn it to you for introductions.
1: Thanks, Ron. Hi, everybody. Today, we're talking about music that makes community for our December show. And um, as we approach the physically darkest time of year, we're kind of reminded that um, we have enormous cultural riches in Hancock County, Maine, and those diminish hardly at all, actually, in the quote-unquote off-season. And there is a huge amount going on in the dark months and... um, clustered around around winter holidays that we're excited to uh, share some of maybe at the end of the show. So our guests today are Bennett Kinesny, who's the executive director of Bagaduce Music, Nancy Coulter, who's the founder of the, of the Ellsworth Community Music Institute, and Pepin Middlehauser, who's of the Gilbert and Sullivan Society of Maine. Uh, we're excited to talk about how each of these organizations fosters community in and amongst their participants and, and um, shares the joy of music with, with participants and audiences. Um, Thanks again for being here. I think maybe Nancy, let's, let's start with you. The Ellsworth Community Music Institute, how, how did it start and what might be interesting for, for listeners to know about? Well, it
2: started, believe it or not, um, more about 10 years ago actually one more year than that just in the getting things together but it originated the wellspring for it was that we've for a long time and this is a longer history that is too long for this setting we have um been doing an ensemble a small group ensemble uh, program in Southwest Harbor called Arthur Russell week now and um and that was so lovely and students waited all year for the opportunity to come together and do that. That we decided that let's try for a year round, um, affair. And, and we went to Ellsworth primarily because it's just such a great hub. And we were interested in attracting people who otherwise might not know that they could even afford private lessons because we do lessons and concerts and um and so that's the origin. Um it has been tremendous experience and and 10 years later you know we're in, in a really very good situation I think.
1: Great. So what's the what's the current very brief description of what the organization focuses on now?
2: It's education. It's lessons in all different instruments. We have 15 faculty. We um, And then we provide free and open midday at one concerts each month all through the school year. And those are really very popular with different genres presented. I'd like to talk to you guys about the possibilities there because um, maybe we could do some collaboration. Um, but mostly classical concerts. And you know, everyone comes out of the woodwork for those. There are people of all ages, people with disabilities. We often have several um wheelchairs in the audience, you know, homeschooled babies in mother's arms and the whole deal. And uh, and it's it's great fun. And talk about the off season. It's it's an extremely uplifting a thing to be all together listening to live, beautiful music in the darkest days of Maine.
1: So what's what's your own history? Why is, why is this something you were um, excited about getting involved in? And what's your...
2: I grew up in very rural Northern California, where there were lots of big trees, firs and redwoods and so on. And there was just not much available for me musically. And I always knew in my heart from the very, very beginning, I think, that i wanted to be a musician and so um that evolved and without making it too long it it became kind of a mission of mine to try to make music available to people in our rural area
1: well maybe we'll turn next to to bennett i know i know maggie has um, it's some exciting new things to announce, and we'll we'll get to that later. But what's the what's the profile of the organization? What is what is Bagady's music, and how did it get started?
3: Well, Bagadu's music is one of the world's largest independent, publicly accessible libraries of printed music, and we also have an education program and concert series that highlights the collection that uh, of printed music that we have, which is. Millions of sheets of music from over um, 300,000 individual uh, publications, basically. And we're here in Blue Hill. We've got a campus with a library building, a performance hall, a house, and a barn, as well as walking trails and a uh, garden that's open to the public, which is uh, run by Native Gardens of Blue Hill. So it's a pretty cool spot that I've landed here. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And then what's your own background and how did you come to be involved?
3: Uh, my background <laughs> is uh, as a musician, um, I've been playing music for most of my life. I grew up in uh, on the west side of Penobscot Bay over there on Islesboro and in Belfast. A real WERU fan. In fact, when I was uh, six years old, I went to the hen house because I won a mail-in postcard <laughs> uh, for the kids program i had to solve a puzzle and mail in the answer and so i've always loved eru and uh it was it was really a big part of my upbringing because we had we had the radio on all the time in the house uh, mostly playing motivational tunes on uh weekend mornings when mom wanted to get the house cleaned and there was no better way than cranking up the tunes and uh you know, cleaning the house. And that turned into a whole obsession for me for the way music and work fit together. And so uh, let's see, I started on schooners singing sea shanties when I was a teenager in Penobscot Bay, and then started farming, working on organic farms and singing shanties on farms and then figuring out, well, what did farmers used to sing, which has led me into a whole career researching that all around the world. And here in Maine, finding what the shakers were singing, what, uh, loggers and lumber camps were singing, um, figuring out more shant, learning more shanties, and writing my own stuff. So I have, have my own work song project that I run. And uh, gosh, it's just, uh, and I also play bluegrass and um, contra dance music and perform my own stuff. So I've got a whole career kind of as a musician in bagaduce roped me in um, because uh, I love this archive. I think it's so amazing, all of the old songs that are in here and some new stuff too, um, really. It's totally enriched my life as a musician, and I know that it can enrich our whole community as it has been for the last 40 years.
1: Thank you so much. Okay, Pepin, over to you. Tell us about the Gilbert and Sullivan Society of Maine.
4: Absolutely. Um, yeah, so the Gilbert and Sullivan Society of Maine has been around since 1976, uh, specifically for the purpose of promoting the works of Gilbert and Sullivan, two uh, amazing composers or composer and uh, lyricist from England from the uh, the late 1700s, early 1800s, who were very influential in their time and since then of composing operettas uh, that were kind of the bridge between the original grand opera, style and like modern day musicals they kind of bridge that gap between them but yeah we've been around for about 47 years and have been focused solely on community music during that time no one in the any of the productions is a professional it's all volunteer community members day-to-day people who come together for the love of performing and music and a lot of times specifically gilbert and sullivan
1: and what's your connection? Did you, did you perform or, or attend growing up?
4: I did, actually. There's a story that my mother tells of me, <laughs> I think, as a three-year-old in the audience at the Grand during a production of Iolanthe. Um, And I, I seemingly got bored and started running up and down the aisles, <laughs> just myself. Um, since then, I've gotten a little bit more focused and and appreciative of the music, specifically. But... Um, Yeah, it's been a big part of my life. My whole family has been a Gilbert and Sullivan fans for as long as I can remember, Um, and I joined the actual productions in 2012. Um, I was 15 at the time, and I joined as a chorus member, which honestly is kind of the the most important part of Gilbert and Sullivan's is the 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 chorus, the the background of the whole show. Um, the The feeling and the community of it don't exist without the chorus, so. That was really wonderful. Um, I did take some time off for college, but came back to it and and joined the board. i Have been doing the best that I can with the bringing as many people together and doing as many stuff like that, as much stuff like that as I can with the community and and the company.
0: Pepin, how how has um, you've described a little bit about the origins, but how has it evolved? What do you what do you imagine has changed most um, in the organization um, since it started that? 47 50 years ago
4: to be honest i don't know if much has changed i mean we've certainly progressed forward we've we've expanded we've done more um in some ways but the original purpose of it was a community organization that brought people together for the love of gilbert and sullivan and we specifically only ever did one production per year and that production was in the off season because uh everybody had a lot of busy stuff going on in the summer, couldn't commit time. they had regular jobs other places and wanted something to do in the winter, kind of like we've been saying already. And so that structure of it hasn't changed. you know since then we've expanded to include a, a vocal scholarship um, for paying for voice lessons, a classical vocal scholarship, the Lee Patterson scholarship mm-hmm. um, which we uh, are the bearers of and all sorts of stuff like that. But really, the the main purpose of community and Gilbert and Sullivan has never changed.
0: And Lee was a member of the the troupe, wasn't he? Um, he was really, indeed. Bennett, you de- you described the kind of the origin as a music library. What else would you say about the the evolution of uh, the Bagadoos, um
3: organization? Well, it's interesting. You know, there's a there. Uh, Mary Cheney Gould and Marsha Chapman started. Uh, this library, along with their friend Fritzia Hoda, the composer, um, 40 years ago. And a lot of people think of them at, you know, the library activity as, as being key to it. What, but really, it started because they had community music organizations that they were a part of fostering that had a bunch of sheet music that they were buying. For instance, they started Bagadoo's Corral. Um, a lot of people know and love the Bagadoo's Corral. Uh, They also uh, were involved in the very early years of the PANS programs here um, and had their, you know, were part of the very first group down in Brooksville that was playing PANS sort of pre Flash in the PANS um, with Carl Chase. And so it's uh, they had these programs and they had it. It was almost like the community needed a piano bench for everybody you know everybody had these overflowing piano benches and um bookshelves full of printed music and they decided eventually to well let's put some shelves up in the garage and then it moved to a barn and there's the uh the barn in over near the old co-op building in blue hill which a lot of people know about that space down there in fact i think the lane is even still called music library lane Uh, and it just sort of grew over the years, really, uh, a huge group of volunteers joined the founders to nurture this really quite unique situation for our community, a place where anybody can come to borrow, borrow the music that, um, lights their fire, their inner fire, essentially. And, uh, a few years ago i'd say about seven they undertook a major capital campaign and there was this major gift of land and they purchased the site of the old liberty school um on south street in blue hill across from mainscape and the new co-op and uh now we've got this amazing campus to house the basically the life's work of uh of the founders, but also a whole generation of their friends and um, music music makers, mm-hmm. uh, and give it a place so that it could go on to the next generation. And that I guess that's what I represent, and all of the folks who are getting involved these days.
1: Can you say more about the the programs and ensembles now? I know there's a whole slew of, it. and is that new or is it been been ongoing?
3: Yeah. No. This um, this really is our biggest, newest initiative, I would say. There have been educational programs, one-off things that have happened in the past, things like the Young Composers Program. Um, but it, uh, you know how it is, cash flow in a in a uh, small organization, the money keeps going out. And so um, I thought, well, why don't we just get people making music all year round? Um, have, get, if every week people are coming to Baggedy's Music to learn, music of different all sorts of genres basically reflecting the genres in our collection um, in a whole new way tapping into the music we have here uh using it as a resource um so people are learning things like fiddle and banjo and guitar they're learning how to be in a jam session they're learning how to be in a um, northern new england ensemble we've got a really crackerjack group of uh seven musicians from as far south as Stonington, all the way up uh, through um, Brooklyn and Blue Hill, all ages coming together to uh, learn how to play for a real New England contra dance. That uh, using old tunes straight from our region. It's been really fun. Um, so that we've sort of started with folk uh, this year. It's it's certainly where I come from and where I have the most connections, and we sort of leverage that. And, but we also are doing uh, things further afield that are also connected with the genre. For instance, we had a a really amazing blues man here this year, uh, Jaron Paxton, and he gave an amazing workshop that was really focused on ragtime. And so his ragtime and ragtime banjo, interestingly. And so he sort of made, tied some interesting threads tuned to Talk of
0: the Towns here on WERU. We're talking about making music and making community. You're hearing uh, right now from uh, Bennett Konisi, the director of Magadou's Music, also with us are Pepin Middlehauser, board member from the Gilbert and Sullivan Society of Maine, and Nancy Coulter, founder of the Ellsworth Community
3: Music Institute. Uh, Bennett, go ahead, please. Oh, just to say that we, you know, the A lot of people think that we only have classical music here, and we do have a ton, Um, but we also have rock. And so I want to do a whole program around rock music, You know, how to start a rock band, an ensemble for maybe there's teenagers who want to start a rock band but don't know how, um, how to play the drums, those sorts of things. I can imagine a jazz ensemble being the kind of thing that we help foster. Basically, this is a, a whole platform Built in to make uh, community music come alive, and it has the the seeds of music, printed music here, to so that we can water with some lessons and ensembles and germinate. What I what I hope to see is is a, a continue a, an energetic and continually growing culture of music along the coast of Maine for generations to come.
0: Great. Well, you've got some great collaborators here. Um, Nancy, you, you uh, talked a little bit about the fact that your your mission hasn't changed much. Um, have your programs evolved in some way? Uh, uh, are you doing anything different in terms of programmatic
2: um, uh, outreach? We have plans. We do have things forthcoming. We started um, just before COVID a, a chorus for older adults. 50 50 and up to come together. They don't have to, people don't have to read music and they were really having a great time and then COVID hit. And so we're just revamping that and that will be happening at the very first part of the year. There'll be lots of advertising and so on to be able to find it. Um, That's just for the fun of it. And it's led by Gina Shu Turner from with, who is associated also with the Grand Theater. It's These people have such a good time, and we have an early childhood music and movement class for students under six years old, usually, and often we have them in the really little stage, and we have two sections in the really little stage, and then four- and five-year-olds are in another section. That we want to develop more than we have. And we, and then we have lots of plans, but those things are in the works and on their way to Ellsworth. <laughs> and one of the things that you've got is you're making full
0: use of a community center, the Bryant E. Moore Community Center. And um, that has become a hub for Ellsworth, a really important hub. Talk a little bit about the venue and what that means to the community and, and to your organization.
2: For us, it's huge because we are keen on making sure music education and listening to live professional music are available to the entire community and all ages are welcome. We have students who are 86. We have students who are are really little and everything in between. And so um, everyone is welcome if they walk through the door. And one of the great things that's important about that facility is that it's shared by the Downey's Family YMCA and Friends in Action. And so there are all the time this flow of groups of people of all different ages and everybody, it's just such a joy to watch little children who are there for daycare be enthralled by a violin lesson that's going on behind a glass door, you know. Um, And so we see all that joy every day. And I think it's healthy for the community. Mm-hmm. For people mm-hmm. come together like that.
0: Well, and, and to see the evolution of a former school into a community oh, okay. center is just a wonderful um, kind of a model for. Yeah. community. We all have old buildings, for instance, that could be repurposed. And an old school has so many assets that you can make use of.
2: Right. And the theater is phenomenal, really. They had uh they did great work. The, the city of Ellsworth put a lot of money into refurbishing it. And uh it used to be a gymnasium and then it was two classrooms. And I watched them scrape up five layers of flooring and then get back to the original beautiful floor. Now we have two grand pianos in there and. We have also the use of the stage if we wish to. It's a very small stage and it's acoustically nice because there were acoustic specialists involved in the refurbishing of the center. So, and everything is accessible. It's accessible by everybody. That's
0: great. Well, each of you could talk a little bit about um the people who do the teaching, the the organizing besides yourselves. Um who who are they not you don't have to name them all, but describe, you know, what brings them to the your programs. Uh Pepin, could we start with you who who kind of helps shape um what we hear when we go to a Gilbert and Sullivan Society uh performance. Um usually that's in what February? Um, oh, February
4: March? or March. This yeah. year it's in March. Uh, yeah. Historically, yeah, it's been more in February, but um, I mean, so yeah, a lot of the people who come and join our company are not necessarily performers. Actually, very few people perform other places. Um, There's a lot of folks that come back year after year and only perform in Gilbert and Sullivan's because it's what they know and it's what they enjoy. And we have a lot of people, you know, to be in the chorus, you don't have to audition. You can just show up. You don't have to know how to sing. You don't have to know how to read music or anything. Um, you can just show up and join our, our shows. So a lot of the teaching is on the director that we hire for a specific show, the musical director, um, it, it, which varies from person to person who we we get to direct. But there's a lot of community feeling to it as well. We try to, you know, the board, we try to put together practice tracks to send people home with so they can listen to it, try to sing along by ear. Um, and a lot of it is just listening to the people around you. Who might be more experienced than you, or have uh, have been in the company a longer time, um, and picking up little things from them, and and you know learning how it all fits together, and and that sort of thing. So we we have a very strong focus on community when actually teaching the the works that we do. Um, we do encourage people to you know if they feel like it, take it a step further and, and get vocal lessons. You know to to be. Um, To to receive the Lee Patterson Vocal Scholarship, for example, if you receive it, the only requirement is that you're in our show. That was one of Lee Patterson's specific requirements for that vocal scholarship. But that essentially means that if you want to be on our show and you want to audition for the vocal scholarship and you get it, we will give you money to then get voice lessons if that's what you're interested in. So um, we have a lot of ways to do it. But, um, yeah, it's very community based, our learning.
0: Yeah. Bennett, talk a little bit about um, who who does the teaching or the inspiring for some of the, the uh, musical gatherings that you put together.
3: Sure. Well, a big part of the inspiration definitely are the performers who come from all over the world to perform here for us. And one of our, I would say, relatively new programmatic things is we're having we're trying to include an educational experience uh, taught by a perform the performers with every time they visit every performance weekend that we have essentially, basically one a month throughout the year will include some sort of master class or educational experience. And then for the weekly classes and ensembles, we have, uh, as I said, we focused on folk mostly this year. And, um, you know, there's a really amazing community of musicians around here, a lot of whom who have taught at Maine Fiddle Camp, and a bunch of those are part of our staff here. Um, Uh, And also further afield, Pinewoods Camp in Massachusetts, um, Old Songs in uh, New York, several different uh, places that they've taught. I'm thinking specifically of Elsie Goller and Ethan Tischler. Um, Ellen Goller has taught all over the country. She teaches fiddle here. So uh, we're sort of relying on the strength of of one of our great musical strengths in Maine is our fiddle music and our folk music. And we're sort of plucking the best of them that are within uh, driving distance. Some of them drive, uh, well, Ellen drives <laughs> almost an hour and over an hour and a half, almost two hours to teach here. And Elsie and Ethan drive an hour and a half to teach here. So um, it's a pretty special opportunity for folks uh, within shooting distance of of Bagateau's music to come learn from some of the best really in the country, so mm-hmm. I'm very excited about that
0: Nancy. How about um the um Ellsworth Community Music Institute, who are your teachers and inspirers um that uh, get involved
2: well we We have some really exceptional musicians on our faculty and And they vary a great deal and they are internationally trained. And so, I mean, we have one woman who teaches piano from who's hails from Russia originally and and another person from Scotland and so on. It goes on. Um, We have and all of them are performing musicians. So. It's, it's very special because, and they too commute. Golly, they're great. You know, they show up every week and <clears throat> there are three piano teachers, three, um, cello teachers, three violin instructors, um, guitar. There's a woman who d- does wonderful work with music therapy for people of different ages and also adaptive lessons for people who have, a special way that, that they should be approached for the music. Sometimes they're very young. You know, it's one of the one of our premises is that we aren't a conservatory. We're a community music school. And we take everybody from exactly where they are. And then we hope to allow them to flourish. and And there's a lot of support and a lot of love. And so these people are all inspiring. They're all uh one of the best things we do could I diverge just a little bit is we offer when somebody's ready to share a piece of music we offer a performance workshop and they people come in small groups among children usually their own age we've done this with adults too though um and so they're in a group a small group, They play their pieces, they get to know their peers, and as they grow, it's extremely important because they support each other, and it becomes a context, a real little community of musicians. This is a big dream of mine, because it's easy to be stuck practicing in some room, someplace, all alone, and never really feel that you have others like you who love the same thing you do, you know. So, they come and um before you know it, they're friends, and they're locked arms walking out together and laughing together and and that's building music friendship. It's a powerful thing,
0: well, I just again want to remind listeners, they're tuned to talk of the towns our topic. This afternoon is Making Music, Making Community. Liz Graves and I are your co-hosts. We have uh, a guest here in our virtual studio, Nancy Coulter, who is the founder of Ellsworth Community Music Institute. You just heard from Pepin Middlehauser is uh, on the board and performer with the Gilbert and Sullivan Society of Maine and Bennett Kunis is the executive director of Bagaduce Music. Well, uh, Nancy, you've kind of helped lead into that next series yeah. of questions. Can I jump but in? I'll, I'll let Liz take yeah. From
1: here. What what Nancy just said, and I'll see if I can summarize it, totally warmed my heart, and it's exactly what put me off my own uh classical training that I thought I was going to be doing when I was a teenager, which was toiling away in a in a practice room by myself and being discouraged when I was discouraged and and not having a sense of musical community. Nancy just said that that at ECMI there are there are like little colleague groups that are that are being put together and students in the same instrument are work uh present their Pieces they're working on to each other, and and yes, what what am I missing?
2: Well, um, just not on the same instrument. That's one of the that's oh the great. okay. They, they come together no matter what they play, and they come together to do this with each other.
1: Yeah, awesome. And so it's really they really help can encourage and support each other as they're as they're making progress.
2: Right, when yeah. I mean, they're ready, then they can play in ensembles together, and that's already yeah. happening.
1: Oh, this is very exciting. So one of the, the next question I wanted to start with, and, and I'm curious, getting work done, which Bennett mentioned, uh, which is a, a great one in, in all human cultures. What are, how, what are the other benefits of making music to, to, to the music makers, you think? What are the other, what are the other ways that making music benefits humans? What do we get out of it? And especially for like, how would, how do you talk about it with folks who are, eager to take up an instrument or to sing or to perform and who are just not sure they're good enough or just not sure, or just scared, you know, how, how do you, how do you get folks over that hump?
3: Well, um, I'll say that uh, the thing that's worked for me is to just let people know that everyone has their own voice and their own approach to making sound in the world. (laughs) And it's it's very it's a very personal thing, and I recognize that, and uh, that's also part of the great strength that we all have. And um, the process of uh, whether you're belting out a sea shanty, or um, you know, m- m- uh, a part of a corral, uh, or or playing, um, I don't know, playing a blues in E. It's really about finding. The thing that you, your own unique voice and letting it kind of shine out and therefore letting go of whatever fear uh, it is that you have around it. Often they're given to us when we're very young people, there's, I, oh my gosh, all the stories of people being told to mouth the words, um, you know, or to put down the instrument and, um, you know.
1: Since we're on the radio, I'll, I'll say that everyone on the Zoom is nodding when when, yeah. when Bennett just said that phrase.
3: <laughs> There's a lot of that. And so I, you know, I think just the act of getting together um, without needing to sound like Pavarotti or needing to sound like um, your favorite, Mark O'Connor, your favorite, whatever, whoever your favorite musician is, um, and just sound like yourself. I try to emphasize that. And, you know, we, we also do an ensemble thing, kind of like um, we just heard about is happening in Ellsworth. We, my goal is really to have group lessons on individual instruments and then we have a jam session or an ensemble and or an ensemble that they can be a part of that people can be a part of because it really is about learning to play together and i love also i always say the verb is to play you know the verb is to play music it's about having some fun and once we sort of shift the goals from being about um Technical precision and perfection, and more. Well, if success here looks like we're having fun together and in the community, then I think I've seen amazing transformations in people and um, in whole groups. And I guess you know that's what all three of us are doing here. I think is we're out there helping the community connect, have fun, communicate in a whole new and interesting and different way. And uh, that's why I. That's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm involved in all this work. And every day I get up and 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 make the donuts, essentially, because because <laughs> we we know that we're we're helping transform our neighborhoods and our world through the power of music.
1: Yeah, Pepin. Do you have anything to add? You think back to to twelve year old old Pepin and how it felt to be part of the chorus for the first time.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I can definitely tell you that before I joined uh the the company I saw the production every year every year that I possibly could and truly the best part of it I mean I loved I loved Gilbert and Sullivan I loved the music and I loved the the lyrics you know the really witty kind of plot twists that happen in them and all of that sort of stuff but truly my favorite part of it was going and seeing this group of people that I knew lived around the area and had other lives beyond this and they were having so much fun on stage and you could see that you know no one up there or very few people up there were professionally trained there were certainly always a few in in our shows uh and you you could could sometimes hear that you know a little bit of an off note here you know something sort of happens something strange happens over there but no one really cared <laughs> it was it was beautiful and amazing to be able to come together and and watch these amazing shows where it was truly for the benefit of the people doing it and the audience was kind of a side thought
1: yeah and then somehow this is a a, a shift too the audience very much picks up on on that energy and and benefits from it too even though there there was no there's, there's trying not to be stressed out about making it perfect. So the audience gets the perfect thing off the score. Absolutely. But but the audience very much like you did as an even younger child appreciates the, how much, how much fun they're having up there.
4: Exactly. That was the funnest part of it is I enjoyed it so much because I could see everybody on stage enjoying it so much.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
3: it, It really gets to me. It reminds me of the fact that participatory, the participatory nature of all of our program, all three of our programs, even though there are uh, audience performer moments that are happening, they're really about uh, sort of engaging people in the process of music making. And that, and the, what, what that does to our brains and to our hearts is really a powerful thing. That's what we're up to.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's the other thing that I would add is that, well, the first time that I looked out in the Moore center and saw 100 people in the audience and kids sitting on the stage i i thought this is unbelievable you know i mean the and the energy that comes from live concerts is something very very special these are vibrations after all these are things we're we're emitting an energy that then is picked up by everybody and and it's terribly exciting I think it pulls people right up. The other advantage, and somebody mentioned the brain, maybe you did, Bennett, um, is that there are all these studies that if you, if people who study music and the discipline of it is one part of it, um, it it transfers to everything else they do in life. And so their brains actually work better if they study music growing up. Quite remarkable.
3: So a, a part of it is that it forces your two hemispheres to work together. So your your um, left hemisphere and your right hemisphere, one is working strictly on logic and things like rhythm and order, and the other is working on creativity and impressions and feelings. And a lot of people, I think our society this these days doesn't uh, have a lot of ways to kind of work across the the uh, left-right barrier, break down the dichotomies that become such we're so rigidly stick ourselves in. But music, music of all the arts really forces us, forces us to do that. And so I think that's why you see these studies are showing that people who are engaged in music throughout their lives have healthier brains, have longer lasting brains, have brains that are thinking laterally, thinking both, both structured and critically, but also in uh, creatively all at the same time.
2: And it's like apparently they're more they're more adaptive, they're more flexible people who are musicians and play music.
0: The other thing that I observed as a uh, early member of Gilbert and Sullivan Society was that the the, the, the group is um, equalized in some way. Um, There were, um, you know. Carpenters and farmers and lawyers and doctors, <laughs> and once you get into that group, those distinctions went away because you were all involved in some common purpose. And and in our in our society today, where there's great divisions, when when you're on stage and when you're doing the performances, those divisions melt away, and that's good for society. That's really Absolutely. important.
4: Yeah. Yeah, beyond that too we have members of our company that have been with us for years that are of I I'm pretty sure vastly different political spectrums or religious Life. spectrums or stuff like that that all come together spend, you know, 3 days a week together for rehearsing uh for 2 months, 3 months and and are best friends, you know, some of the greatest connections and and lifelong friendships come out of these performances and mm-hmm. Nobody cares. Absolutely nobody cares. It's we all leave it behind us at the at the stage door.
3: This is reminding me of uh, uh, contra dancing, and you know I get to see Pepin play for a dance for the Surrey Dance the other uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, Music helps sponsor that event, and um, Pepin is an amazing a country dance musician, which is something he hasn't even mentioned yet, but he's my secret identity. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and it's the same way at those dances. And I, I'd reckon any musical event happening around here, you know, we get people from all parts of the political spectrum out there, uh, feeling that rhythm together, smiling at each other, you know, holding hands and swinging in a, in a way that, you know, just doesn't happen in society these days. Uh, especially through screens and so forth you know they just literally engaging in a, the human experience together and I think that uh, it's it's part of the power of what we're up to and uh, I encourage you to come to Surrey or Belfast the Belfast flying shoes does a great job as well um, making these kinds of things happen we collaborate with them uh, because because it's it's good to get out especially as we started we talked about the dark winter days (laughs) ahead and, uh, or I guess they're here. And so, um, you know, get out there, come, come check our stuff out. We're having, we're having a good time and, uh, you can get some of that human experience here with us, with any one of us.
1: Before we get to, uh, what's specifically on the calendar, um, both Pepin and, and, um, Bennett have mentioned a little tiny bit about, about funding for the organizations. Pepin, uh, um, says that, um, Gilbert and Sullivan has a scholarship now. Nancy, how? Um, tell us a little bit for for ECMI. <laughs> what? Right. Um, you, you, I think you, there are some scholarships available for students, and how? What is the organization's mix of funding? Are there?
2: Well, um, we have tuition for our lessons, and the tuition is is the fundamental source for teacher pay. But we we have a robust scholarship. Fund and so anybody can apply for a scholarship. Also, any age person, and it's it's, it's very fair. It's needs based. It's a very simple form, not a big deal. Um, so what we say is that we never want someone coming and wanting music lessons who can't, uh, who isn't um, honored in that way. And everything is completely confidential. You know, it's a great program in general our our tuition is about one third of our funding source, and two-thirds are from generous donors. Our community is really rallied to support this music school, and it's been you know oh, melts my heart. <laughs>
0: and yeah. talk a little bit about um, the organization. You've mentioned a board um, and your finances. How has all this happened?
4: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we are a very, very small company. You, are, you know, We've lasted a long time uh, by making things work as best we can. We don't have any year-round employees. The extent of our paid staff is... The productions, uh, we pay our directors and set designers and lighting designers and all of the rest, the costume designers. Um, but other than that, we're a fully working board. That's the only effort that is put into it is volunteer-based year round. Um, financially, we we have a uh, annual appeal or twice annual appeal that we send out. And so a lot of our support is from members of the company uh, who send in donations and gifts. Um, Ticketing really does not get us very far. We never really make back the money we spend on producing a show from the show itself. Um, but also, you know, we get grants every once in a while. We just got one from the Main Community Foundation, which is really amazing. So mm-hmm. that's where a lot of that sort of um, financial uh, support comes from for us.
0: Bennett, how about you? How are you organized and how, how, how do the finances work for um, your organization?
3: Uh, similar to what Nancy described, I would say you know we have tuition that covers our ensembles and classes, um, and the teacher paying the teachers. Uh, we have grants. We you know we write grants. We ha- um, and we have a small reserve fund that um, was developed over the years, which we dip into occasionally to help. Uh, help out in you know low cash flow moments and to help with different projects. But uh, the real majority of this is the generosity of people in the neighborhood who see what we're up to and like it and want to see more of it. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, this time of year, it's just so critical that when you hear about Giving Tuesday and and the reason you get these letters at the end of the year is because little organizations like ours really do thrive on small money donations. It's as simple as that. You hear about it on the news um, and we're not making it up. And so uh, really, I'm, I'm glad to WERU for helping us get on the air and and share that that really this is a community effort to make a community music happen. And so anybody who's out there who's thinking, well, what what should I do with, with my tithe at the end of the year, you know, help, help all of us out. I think we could all, we we would all put it to really good use.
0: And helping all of us out includes WERU, which is a community-based community driven organization. And we are so fortunate to have the wonderful support we have. And we hope that that continues. We're tuned, you're tuned to talk of the towns this afternoon The topic is making music, making community. Our guests are uh, Bennett Konezzi, who is the executive director of Bagadou's Music, Nancy Coulter is founder of the Ellsworth Community Music Institute, and Pepin Middlehauser is with the Gilbert and Sullivan Society of Maine. Liz, where would you like to take the conversation now?
1: Well, in just a few minutes left, I'd love to hear, um, for the, we're right smack in the middle of, or will be when we air of the, the winter holiday season. And there are lots of wonderful performances on the calendar. So I'm curious what, um, and all the way through the rest of the winter, what each organization wants to highlight. It's simplest with Gilbert and Sullivan because there's one a year. So Pepin, tell us what's coming up and, and when the performance dates are.
4: Absolutely, so our next production is The Sorcerer, which is a very fun show, a little bit lesser known than some of the other Gilbert and Sullivan works, but uh, just as fun as any other one. The performances will be at the Grand in Ellsworth on March 8th through 10th and 15th through 17th, two weekends of performances. On top of that though, um, we are at at the time of recording, we're going to be starting rehearsals pretty soon. Uh, It's going to be right at the beginning of January that we're starting the rehearsal process. And people are welcome to join up until the really the first or second week of rehearsals. You're welcome to join a little bit late, too, if you want to join the chorus. The the, uh, the principals are already all cast and auditioned. Um, but we rehearse Tuesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays starting January 2nd. Um, you can find out more at GilbertSullivanMaine.org. And we do actually rehearse at the Moore Center in Ellsworth, surprisingly enough, in that theater space that Nancy was talking about. So... You might be uh, familiar with the description of that by now.
0: <laughs> Bennett, what's coming up for um, the Bagadoos, um music? Well,
3: um, on December 15th, 16th and 17th, we've got a group coming from Sweden called Kongoro. They are a Swedish vocal ensemble uh, four women who take traditional music, songs and tunes and render them in a really unique and powerful way, deep and rich harmonies. Uh, that will be in Belfast on Friday the 15th. It'll be, we'll actually have a dance workshop and dance party um, in the basement of the Baptist Church. Okay. Then Saturday the 16th, two concerts at Tinderhearth in Brooksville, a 5 p.m. and a 7.30 p.m. show. And then on uh, Sunday the 17th, a uh, folk appella workshop, a singing workshop, in how to sing this sort of Swedish style, and then an evening concert at 730. Then we're also launching our education program for our 2024 education program, which will include the sorts of classes I mentioned before, instruments, guitar, fiddle, banjo, mandolin, some ensembles, including a Swedish fiddle ensemble in Belfast and our community chorus in Belfast. And in January, we've got the Gawler family doing something called a Winter Fever Reliever. And um, that'll be a whole series of workshops and classes and then followed by a concert and a dance. So definitely check out bagaducemusic.org for all of the newest details on all of this stuff.
0: Nancy, do you want to um, give us some um, highlights of what's ahead for um, the Ellsworth Community Music Institute?
2: Sure. Um, we have a December 8th concert with Dear Manning, and Manning uh, on piano and Josh Gerwitz, vocalist, singing a Schubert song cycle, December 8th at 1 o'clock. Everybody's welcome at the Moore Center. And then we take a big holiday break, and we're coming back in January with the beginnings of the adult chorus. We have um, also a January concert, January 12th, will feature a a pianist, Danny Holt, who lives in East Machias, actually, and is new to this state. Um, and we are uh, starting lessons with a brand new clarinet teacher, who is wonderful and will be announced shortly. Um, she'll be beginning teaching because... One of the things that kind of went to the wayside were the instruments you blow through after COVID. They're the slowest to come back. (laughs) So (laughs) so we're just bringing those back in and we hope to expand all of that. And um, Ben, I would like to talk with you more about collaborating maybe and having somebody come up our way sometime.
3: Absolutely. Let's do it.
0: Yeah well, well Bennett you've you've um we we talked about the evolution of the group um your organization has kind of recently taken up some residence in Belfast that's relatively new is it
3: that's right yep it's relatively new um you know the the thought being i really see Owl's Head to Scudic Point being a really rich and fertile chunk of the main coast. It's a culturally distinct region. We are um, connected. We go to each other's towns. We go to each other's music events. And I sort of see that as being the watershed or the music shed for us. And so um, this idea, Nancy, of collaborating in Ellsworth, we've got so many music friends over in on Scudic Peninsula, Stu Ben and Gouldsboro, and then of course amazing music friends in Rockland and Camden. So, I just you know we're starting with Belfast and. Um, we're going to just keep working out. And, and again, the vision is, you know, in by the time I die, we want to look back and say, wow, look at, this is a region defined by music, by great musicians rooted in this place, on these soils, making our lives better through great tunes, melodies, choruses, the whole thing. So that's what we're up to.
0: And each of you have talked about the value of collaboration and, you know, um, you are Representing three of many organizations who are making music and making community in our region, so even though we aren't um, adding all of those to our topic today or our, our show today, they're out there, and so we really encourage people to to think about that. Maybe in the remaining time, each of you could tell a very short story about how this this all comes together for your organization. Uh, Pepin, could you tell a, a short story?
4: Well, honestly, what I can come up with is I said that we rehearse at the Moore Centers and um, uh, my sister, Celeste Middlehouser, one of our principals, our principal soprano, is actually one of the vocal teachers at the uh, the Ellsworth Community uh, Music Institute. And... uh, that's a connection. We uh the Gilbert and Sullivan Society, we use all of the Gilbert and Sullivan scores and orchestral scores from the Bagaduce Music Library oh and have for many years okay. um, a lot of that music, you know, we purchased originally and donated to the Bagaduce Library as a company. So I mean, just in the three that you kind of got together on this show, we have a lot of very intimate connections in this community through music and various stuff. And I think that would have happened with. Any three organizations musical organizations organizations in the area that you picked, so that's kind of amazing,
0: good Nancy. How about you? Can you tell a short story about how you think it all comes together um in terms of fulfilling your mission as an organization?
2: Um, well, I mean, I love how inclusive it is. Often classical music is thought of as being elitist, which I think is a terrible tragedy simply isn't true if if all it takes is exposure and um and so we're, we're we're just bent on teaching people to play well, and then they can play any genre they want. <laughs> um, so I what I've seen is that music builds community like nothing else I've ever seen in my whole life, and it, it's terribly exciting. We um, we are collaborating right now with Healthy Acadia because music has such a large role in the health of people, psychologically and physically, you know, um, and we just had an instrument petting zoo at the library. The library That's are right. really great supporters and little children can come and try the instruments. And we're going to do another one of those in the early midwinter to early, early spring.
0: Great. And, <laughs> so, and, and how about you, um, Bennett, um, a short story?
3: yeah I just think about George Emlin and his Messiah sing that's happening uh in just a few weeks um using music from Bagaduce music. it's uh you know this if you to buy copies of the Messiah costs hundred you know over a hundred dollars and yet you know we've got this material here that anyone can come and use anybody's chorus can come and save a ton of money. He's making this awesome thing happen uh for the community. everyone's getting involved. And uh, taking his 40 years of experience and applying it to our community, it seems like it's a well, it's it's as the world should be. And, and um, it's nice to be one part of that cog in that in that world that that we want to see and that we actually are living in. So,
0: Liz, you want to wrap it up in some way? Do you want to um, or, or I maybe mean, one of the things we could do is just ask each of you to, to list your website so people can get yeah. in um, in touch yeah um, and
1: so i'll just say thank you so much again for being here i am my heart is warmed in our in our in dark dark of the winter here um and i'm so pleased to hear about the good work and the connections and the joy and the and the brain uh uh work that's happening that 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 I encourage everyone to to get involved Go to performances, um, perhaps step out and and play or sing. If you haven't yet, it's it's um, going to make you feel good.
0: And uh, just the last round, Bennett, your organization and the website, if you would.
3: Uh, bagaducemusic.org B-A-G-A-D-U-C-E, music.org. Pepin, please. Gilbert Sullivan Main
4: just those three words. And if you want, if you're at all interested in joining the chorus, joining our orchestra, which is also community based, or behind the scenes uh, crew for our shows, please go there and check us out.
0: Great. And Nancy,
2: um, it's Ellsworth Community dot org. Great. Thank you all
0: for being with us this afternoon. We've come to the end of the hour. Be sure to join us from 4 to 5 on the second Wednesday afternoon of each month for Talk of the Towns. Podcasts of our program can be found in the archive section of the WERU website. If you have comments or suggestions for new topics, please email us at news at WERU.org. Our theme music is a medley from Karanak on a Balmain House Highland Music Recording. Thanks to our again to our guests this afternoon, Bennett Canisi, Executive Director of Bagaduce Music. Nancy Coulter is founder of Ellsworth Community Music Institute. And Pepin Middlehauser is with the Gilbert and Sullivan Society of Maine. Thanks to um, our underwriters. Thanks to Amy Brown and Joel Mann for helping to engineer our program. Stay tuned for Ralph Nader Radio from 5 to 6 and The Groove Shop from 6 to 8. Liz Graves and I are producers and hosts for Talk of the Towns, and we're wishing you a good afternoon.